Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with your colleagues. If you're looking for more content, check out or follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook for some different types of content and check out robsreliability.com as well. If you're looking for a short daily audio tip, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Tip of the Day on your favorite podcast platform. As well, it's also available on Amazon Alexa as a flash briefing. So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, we're back. I'm here with Jesus Sifonte again. He was on probably about a month ago at this point. He's the founder of PDM Tech and the author of Reliability-Centered Maintenance Re-Engineered. Hey, Zeus, how are you today? I'm doing good, Rob. Uh, thank you for having me here again. No, I appreciate it. Like your last podcast, it's been doing really well. So I'm excited to have you back on because we missed a few things last time and I want to dig deeper into the RCMR process. Yes, Rob, the subject is broad enough for many podcasts, let me tell you. And a part of that, we enjoy a lot doing this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember when I took uh, RCM facilitator training through RCM Blitz, and it was a two-week training course. So if we did maybe 35, 40 minutes last time, we have a lot left to go. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. So Jesus, let, let's kick let's kick this off, and I wanted to ask you just again, what is the difference between RCMR and classical RCM? Hey Rob, uh, we haven't taken anything away from classical RCM in in, in RCMR. Uh, we have just added a couple of aids to it because RCMR is based on research about failing. RCM programs, and in those research of audits or audits, we found a couple of uh, main reasons for programs uh, failing. Uh, as you can remember from from the last podcast, we said uh, no use of experienced facilitators, not no multidisciplinary team approach, poor failure mode causation, only maintenance tasks recommended, poor knowledge of condition monitoring, and ruling out hidden functions. So based on the research of why it happened, how it happened, then we provided some tools bridging those gaps to making RCM effort, effort successfully. And RCM starts like a bit before, RCMR starts just like a bit before RCM uh, standard dose, and it is comprised of uh, four sub-processes. The first one is the pre-work, where we deal with the asset criticality analysis and data integrity. For us, it's very important to examine how companies handle work order data, how they uh, handle data, data registers, because uh, 
this this information is very important, not just for RCM, but for other analysis, uh, reliability analysis. And the second process is uh, the RCM per side J8 and 11 process, assisted with some popular international standard like ISO 14.224 to help define failure modes better and you know it breaks the failure modes into failure mechanisms and also failure causes and uh, we feel confident that if we are able to find uh, good root, root causes we may be able also to to apply uh, appropriate tasks to them and another add-on is that we use FMICA instead of FMEA for the purpose of uh, filtering out non-critical failure modes and for having some quantitative way of understanding uh, failure modes, uh, failure events criticality. Another process that we added to is uh, to RCM is the RCM fine tuning in which we do uh, viable analysis whenever data is available to validate the experts recommendation during the RCM analysis and also to corroborate the compatibility of uh, task recommendations and frequencies and uh, mostly task recommendations and, and uh, according to the physics of the failures. And also we calculate the frequencies with some uh, re rigorous reliability math. And lastly, and it is and this one other process is pretty similar to RCM standard is that we uh, use the condition improvement stage in which we make sure that we attain the so-called living RCM status. Because we also have seen that many RCM efforts fail because it is seen as a mere one-shot deal and some uh, processes or some efforts don't take into account the changes that happen with time. Assets is aging, uh, asset may be aging, new technologies acquired, uh, operational contract might be different. So uh, in order to, to have all this information updated, we need to, to keep you know, on the track of uh, sustainability uh, with RCM. So that feedback process when things are changing, what does that look like? Yeah, sometimes uh, things, things like operational context change, for example, you, you may have an asset that two days is, is working five days per week and two uh, uh, and then also out of the sudden it, it will work seven days a week uh, with the higher speed those things we have to take into account when, when doing uh, the RCM analysis sometimes also new failures come because assets age like like we people age you know uh, babies have some may have some health problem very different to old guys and, and teenagers. So likewise, uh, new failures may come depending on, on the age stage of the assets. That's, that's the things that we have to take into consideration. Also technology, uh, technology advances a lot and, and we may have better tools to identify potential, potential failures and that will make us uh, really change uh, whatever tasks we, we decided with, with RCM when we didn't have those tools, those tools available. So are we looking back at the RCM every couple of years or how often should we do that? Well, whenever it is necessary, whenever 
we see that the aging of the assets is, is bringing different uh, faults that we didn't identify. Whenever new technology is gotten, is acquired, uh, whenever operational context uh, is different, may change. So I, I would say that I don't see like a time frame or, or a frequency where we need to get into the RCM uh, analysis again. It's just when changes happen. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's something that, you know, if, you, if you're listening, if you have done an RCM, maybe take a look at when that was done. And if you can think back of any large process changes or anything that you've made. And I mean, even again, like if you look at it's 2019 now, so the IAOT, the wireless sensors, there's going to be a lot of changes since most likely the last time you did an RCM. And the assets themselves will give you the symptoms. You know, uh, you will maybe see an increase in the failure rate or you all of a sudden start seeing new failure modes that weren't considered. So if you don't, if you're not proactive, the assets are going to tell you, hey, I need you to check me. I need you to revise my, my analysis. No, that for sure. So I, I guess, you know, you kind of touched on what's different now. Like, obviously, we're starting RCMR with the pre-work stage. But after the pre-work stage, what's the typical process? Okay, uh, let me tell you uh, step by step what we do in an RCMR analysis. It's pretty similar to the standard RCM analysis. We first do a two-day class just for having the multidisciplinary team on board, everybody speaking the same language. It's, it's about the basics of reliability. Then uh, we prepare the system operating context. After that, we do, we do the functional analysis in which we identify primary, secondary hidden functions. We then utilize uh, FMICA instead of FMEA. The idea is to quantify uh, the failure impacts and rule out non-critical failure modes from the analysis. Uh, then we define failure mode and, foot, uh, and causes. And during the FMICA process, we use uh, the standard ISO 31000 to define failure causes risk matrices. After that, we classify the failure effects into consequences, just as the RCM process. Then we select consequence management policies, failure consequence management policies through our decision, decision diagram, which includes uh, operate, operator tasks in it. After that, once we have already uh, identified the policies, not the tasks yet, yet, just the policies, we do a failure data analysis whenever we have appropriate data to, to, to do it, just to confirm the compatibility of the selected policies and fine tune them if necessary. Then we uh, define tasks and those tasks are applied to failure mode causes. Then we define the, the frequencies of those tasks you know, the, those tasks about condition monitoring, uh, time-based tasks, and detection or, failure or finding failure tasks, we define their frequencies, calculate them with some uh, reliability math when possible. 
we prepare an implementation plan with both maintenance and redesign tasks. And lastly, we oversee that implementation plan. That's a very important role of the facilitator. Those are the steps that we follow in the typical RCMR process. No, that's great. And to me, what I see often in reliability is it's not the analysis part that fails. It's the implementation part that fails. Do you want to like, do you have any tips on people listening? Like how do they implement, like, let's say they did an RCMR, how do they implement it correctly? Yes, there are some mistakes we want to avoid when, when doing RCM, either RCM or RCMR. Uh, we see the, the similar uh, mistakes often and uh, skipping the process operating context definition is a very typical a very typical error or mistake and uh, being unable to identify real uh, failure causes so uh, you know that tasks are going to be directed to causes and and it's impossible if we don't find uh, like uh, you know feasible uh, real causes it's tasks won't be effective and uh, not using the the team you know Many in many companies, maintenance alone, they, they do the RCM analysis and, and streaming, you know, streamlining like, like the FMEA process and ruling out uh, the analysis of hidden failures, the analysis of protected devices. Those are common mistakes. And, and you know, Rob, uh, another one that happens very often is you see a very nicely done analysis, coherent analysis, but then no implementation. There is there is an, a, champ, a champion in there. There there is uh, you know his responsibility or her responsibility is like let's implement this, let's be accountable for this, and many uh, reliability efforts, RCM and others, they fail because of lack of leadership. So. There has to be a leader in charge of the champion in charge of this. And those are the, the main mistakes I, I see. And then people complain that RCM uh, doesn't work and, and it's related to all this aspect I just mentioned. To me, yeah, to me, the last point that you made about lacking implementation is is what I've seen as most common, not necessarily focused on RCM, but just in reliability or predictive maintenance in general? I agree with you. You know, sometimes uh, people uh, call uh, our our firm to do an RCM analysis and, and they say, oh, Jesus, uh, send me a facilitator to do this analysis. And we always tell them, do you need help with implementation? Do you need somebody? I encourage that you have somebody from inside person, from of you guys that be in charge of implementation. Oh, we don't have a person that could be in charge of that. And if they don't like hire somebody to do that, I'm afraid that things are not gonna be implemented as they should. And, and that's a very typical situation, not only with RCM, with other efforts, PDM uh, implementations, uh, maintenance, uh, other, you know, efforts implementation. You can do also an RCA analysis and you find the root cause and you and you also find the, 
the right way of uh, of solving it. And if you don't implement it correctly, you are wasting your time. Yeah, no doubt. No, I agree 100%. The other thing I've seen is even like there are, I have seen a few successful internal champions that have implemented good predictive maintenance programs. But if they've decided that the champion, like if the manager on site decides, hey, you know, Johnny's going to be the champion because he's been in the union the longest, but Johnny doesn't care about whatever he's implementing. That's another problem that I've seen that really affects the implementation. Oh, yeah. I remember in, in our last post, the podcast that we discussed about the characteristics of a good facilitator. You may have uh, people that are good at technical stuff, and, and they are, but if they don't like doing facilitation, if they are not organized enough to, because basically the effort will <clears throat> put together a plan and you need to have some project management skills. Absolutely. So I guess, Jesus, you know, I want to dive a little bit deeper into RCM. So why don't we start off with what is the operating context of a process or an asset? Like what's the kind of first step that we have to go through? Oh, yeah, we, we have to clearly establish it in a statement in which we delineate the environment the asset is intended to operate in. Also, uh, give an overall description of how and where it is going to be operated. There are specifically a couple of aspects that it should cover. For example, what type of process we're dealing with. Are we dealing with a continuous process or it's a batch process? Quality standards that the process needs to comply with safety and environmental standards we have to consider as well, the location of the assets. Sometimes we copy and paste maintenance plans to, to, to equipment, and uh, the equipment is located in Edmonton, Canada, and, and, and the other equipment is located in, in San Juan, Puerto Rico, in the Caribbean. And uh, both, both equipment are located uh, outdoors, and there is a huge difference in what the equipment have to endure in, in, in terms of, of uh, environment, in terms of weather, for example. So the location is very important, the resources around it, the, the equipment or the asset. The asset speed is also recorded and, and has, is it variable, is it uh, fixed? Uh, availability also of redundance and spares. Does the asset has uh, have a redundancy, and how how well are we doing with spares? Market demand. Some companies have a fixed yearly demand. You know, every month they're they're not like high and low seasons. Others have high and low seasons. That's important to take into consideration. Reliability and availability goals are also aspects that we need to to consider when when doing the the RCM. Uh, operating context analysis. You may have an asset that is similar to another, but this asset just run for two hours a week and the other runs continuously uh, for many days. So reliability and availability expectations have also to be understood very well. That's the kind of info that we are looking out of a operating context. 
And so once we've kind of defined the operating context, like what are, how do we define a function or how many different types of functions are there? Yes, uh, we, there are basically uh, three type of functions. We, we have uh, primary functions and I refer to them like, this is like the mission of the asset, what it should do, what is what's acquired for. Then you have secondary functions and, and hidden functions. And in order to do that uh, functional analysis, there are some tools you have to have on hand. For example, you need to have uh, the process diagrams with you, uh, PNADs, safety and environmental standards with you. Uh, you need to prepare a functional block diagram if the assets is kind of complex where, where you uh, can identify assets, uh, the process inputs, outputs, supplies, wastes. Uh, you need to establish step-by-step uh, step what your assets is going to do and its performance levels. You need to put in that in a diagram all the protective devices. Uh, con condition monitoring instruments, redundant components, any energy management information your company is dealing with, and and you know some levels that you performance levels on that end that you are that are associated to that asset. You need to to understand them. Any quality related aspects such as appearance, cleanliness, etc. Levels. So that information you need to take into consideration just to, to define properly primary, secondary, and hidden functions. Yeah, and, and like an example I use often when I talk about functions is, like if we have a pump, our primary function would be, we need this pump to pump 10 gallons per minute. And the secondary functions are, we can't have this pump operate over 90 decibels, and it also can't leak more than I don't know, one liter per month. Did, like, did I miss anything or does that sound about right to you? Yes, it's, it's pretty much uh, what we need. Uh, as You know, if, if primary function is basically what, what the asset has to do, what it was acquired for. And of course, that we, we need to define it also in terms of performance levels. We need to identify very well performance levels. And secondary functions, there are a sort of, uh, of areas that are covered. There are other requirements other than, than the main mission of the asset that has to be uh, tackled. And, and yes, there are conformance to safety, environment, efficiency standards, and some design characteristic that you know the asset has to have offering operating flexibilities such as multi-speed, multi-speed modulation, for example. As you said, containment, you know, you can have a pump leaking uh, out there, especially if what it pumps is, is poisonous, if what it pumps can cause any environmental uh, problem. So uh, also structural integrity is another area that is, is also evaluated as, as a secondary function. So yes, uh, those those aspects are also very important, and there are other things like appearance, for example. Sometimes you go to to a company, and, and where where can you identify appearance? Well, if you, if you go to to a pharmaceutical process, to a food 
in the food industry, for example, also, cleanliness is very, very important part of the process. There are levels of cleanliness you have to comply with. Sometimes the type of paint that you, that you use to, to cover uh, the surface, surfaces is really important. You, you can't have uh, particles of paint here and there, and, and, and they may be related to quality problems, and they con can contaminate, uh, for example, uh, the product. And, and, you know, all those things have to be taken into consideration in the secondary functions, and, and as you see, uh, and the people uh, listening to the podcast can can see, RCM is much more than a primary function. What the system primarily does, it, it has to do with the whole process, and and uh, it has to to identify uh, risks around the whole process. And it is the, the thing that I love the most about RCM is that it is a very organized type of analysis that will take you there if you follow it probably. Yeah, and I think that that's one thing that you mentioned is is like going back to risk and, and risk mitigation. If we missed a secondary function, like oftentimes some of the secondary functions like they're going to be focused on environmental or safety aspects and those will actually shut down your plant longer and and more than like let's say that pump if it pumps nine gallons per minute that's not a big deal but if that pump breaks and leaks everywhere then maybe we have environmental problems on on our hands yes and even fires uh, i've done analysis that a couple of drops leak means a fire, literally a fire. So you, you containment is really important. I've done uh, an RCM analysis to, for example, uh, air compressors for uh, breathing, for example. You have scuba divers that they uh, also do uh, work underwater and, and those systems, if they fail, they're going to die people are going to that. So, uh, you know, uh, sometimes uh, depending on the assets, they may be more prone to, 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 to deal with uh, economic impacts. Others, they protect people's lives. And, and uh, you know, uh, that's the importance of taking in consideration the whole analysis, all the three uh, functions, primary, secondary, and, and uh, hidden functions. People tend to think that because of the name secondary, they might not be as important as the first or the function of, or the primary functions. But you're right, you know, catastrophic failures will occur due to a second, the, fa the, the failure of a secondary function. So how do we make sure we don't miss any secondary functions? Well, we, we need to, uh, what, what I, what we do is that that we establish we we use an acronym, an acronym. We we use the acronym Peaches, where P stands for protection. And in our case, in in RCMR, we take that P and treat it as a hidden functions. So we uh, we say, well, let's let's look at our functional block diagram 
and identify and see all the protected devices that we identify there. And let's analyze them. Let's see the risk. Let's apply the whole analysis to them. And secondly, then we, we go to the efficiency and economy and think about and, and, and bring all the information we can, we can about the efficiency standards for the economy, uh, for the company, I mean. Also uh, the appearance. So we have to go one by one and do brainstorming with our multidisciplinary team and try to, to bring on the table every aspect, every component of the asset that has to do with all these aspects. The, the, the other one is control, containment, comfort, for example. You see that even comfort is taken into account because uh, if we if we don't have the appropriate work environment and ergonomy in place, that operation of the equipment and maintenance of the equipment may cause accident. It, it, it will, you know, won't be good for, for our, our safety goals in the company and will hurt people, of course. And uh, standards for health and safety and standards for uh, environmental integrity, one that is ruled out many times is the structural integrity. We tend to focus in what is running, what is turning, but what about the structure? There is a structure that has to be taken care of. We need to, to, to check for that everything is well fixed, anchored. We need to check the torques for all those bolts, uh, you know, of that base. We need to check the, the physical integrity of that base, that structure. And, and uh, some, many times we rule out that. We, we go to, to the vibration analysis and stuff of the of the rotating components and rule out all those stuff. So we, we need to go one by one and try to brainstorm on them with, remember that we have the, the people that really know the process and really know the assets. And these guys are there because they are able to identify all the risks associated with also these secondary aspects of these secondary functions. So uh, the facilitator have to guide them through each of, of these aspects, the protection, the efficiency and economy, the appearance, the control, the containment, the comfort, the health and safety, the environmental integrity, and also the structural integrity. So we evaluate as much as possible all the risks associated to those. I really like that PEACHES acronym. That's great. Page 86, 83 of the RCMR book. It is there. <laughs> I have to I have to read it. I haven't read it yet, but I have to get on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, Jesus, you know, we talked about primary functions and secondary functions. Can you give us like what is a hidden function? And do you have an example that you could give us? Oh, yeah. Uh, hidden functions are, are those that are not whose uh, failure are not evident to the operator. They are related mostly to protective devices, redundant components or condition monitoring instruments. You know that they need to be carefully evaluated because their failures are not evident to operators and may be catastrophic. A simple, a very simple example of hidden functions 
is, uh, for example, you have uh, the emergency stop button of your, of your machine and rotating equipment. You are counting on that piece of equipment that when you press it, it will stop the machine. If, for instance, there is an emergency and you need to stop the machine because somebody can, can be hurt or the process can be hurt, can be a court sale or something, you hit, you hit it and the machine does not stop. You have a hidden failure that you just discovered. So that's kind of a sample for a hidden failure. The function of that component is to stop the machine in this time, maybe stop the machine in two or three seconds, whenever, when, when you uh, press that button. But since the machine is running, you don't know it is not working properly until you need it. And the thing is that most hidden functions do not, uh, they let the primary function to go ahead. You know, they do not interfere with the primary functions until something big happens. Perfect. No, I, I appreciate it. That's great. So, Jesus, you know, I, you know, thanks for coming on again. I, I think we, we dug a lot deeper into at least functions and, you know, primary, secondary and hidden. So do you have anything that you want to plug like PDM tech, obviously, but are you going to be at any conferences coming up? Do you want anyone to go to your website or follow you on LinkedIn? Yeah, you can uh, follow us in, in, follow me in LinkedIn. Also our websites, uh, pdmtechusa.com and consciousreliability.com will be soon speaking in in uh, in Panama uh, with with the Panama Canal. Uh, they they do uh, the conference every two years. We'll be also speaking. That will happen here in, now in April. We'll also be speaking in Mexico in with IMMP. Uh, that would be in May, and I will join you to speak uh, in Manitoba in, in June. And uh, there, there are a lot of, lot of uh, activities that we will be participating at this year. We'll be also in South Africa with, in, in a conference. And, uh, and uh, we always participate in CMCM in, in Mexico, in Monterrey, Mexico. That's in September. Uh, hopefully, we... We'll be back to main train this year in September in Edmonton. And there are others, Rob, that escape from my mind right now. But um, we always uh, try to provide the fresh information to our community in our websites and, and also uh, are continue, continuously uh, participating in forums like yours to, uh, uh, the, to deliver uh, important information to our community on, on good practices and and I said before quality is never remember quality is never compromised <laughs> I, I like that saying and I, I remember it from last time so no I'm excited I'm excited to see you in Manitoba and we'll definitely do a pod from that conference so that'll be fun yes yes 